a cool summer morning in early June, is when the legend began at a nameless logging camp in Wexford County, where the Manistee River ran. Eleven lumberjacks near the Garland Swamp found an animal they thought was a dog. In a playful mood, they chased it around till it ran inside a hollow log. A logger named Johnson grabbed him a stick and poked around inside. Then the thing let out an unearthly scream and came out and stood upright. None of those men ever said very much about whatever happened then. They just packed their belongings and left that night, were never heard from again. It was 10 years later in 97 when a farmer near Buckley was found. Slumped over his plow, his heart had stopped. There were dog tracks all around. Seven years passed with the turn of the century. They say a crazy old widow had a dream of dogs that circled her house at night, that walked like men and screamed. From the song titled The Legend by Steve Cooks, 1997. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. Today we are discussing the legend of the dog man. Is it half dog, half man, or is it something else altogether? Whatever it is, you don't want to run into it out in the woods all alone. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can leave an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. If you'd like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to CarmenCarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram for information on future episodes. It was late spring in Augusta before the chill began to leave the air. The end of May was the beginning of hiking, camping, and boating season for the young people who live in the small Michigan village. Sadie was staring out the window of her English 2 classroom, lost in daydreams about days at the lake. She loved the outdoors and spent every minute she could outside during her summer breaks. This was the last one before starting her senior year. It would be the year to make memories, have fun, and be a kid one last time. There was a huge party planned out by the lake near the Fort Custer Recreation Area to celebrate the beginning of summer, even though the actual beginning of summer was still almost a month away. Everyone in her class would be there, and even though Derek, her boyfriend since freshman year, didn't want to go, she had begged and pleaded until he gave in. Derek was kind of an introvert. He had never been into social gatherings. They had known each other since elementary school, and she had always thought he was just shy, when he generally just didn't care much for people. 
She started crushing on him the beginning of ninth grade, when he came back from summer break four inches taller, with the beginnings of a full beard. They had two classes together that year, and Sadie made sure she had the desk right next to his in both. He wasn't interested in her at first, acting like she got on his nerves when she tried to get him to talk to her. She wasn't one to give in that easy when she wanted something, though, and his resistance felt like a challenge. Maybe he had been a little lonely after all, or maybe it was just hormones. Whichever was the case, he finally began to open up, and when she asked him out, he said yes. They had dated almost three years exclusively. Sadie had been really crazy about him in the beginning. That was until she got a glimpse of his temper. He had never hurt her physically, but when he was angry, his words were cruel. She had lost count of how many nights she had cried herself to sleep after one of their many fights. Her friends had begged her to dump him, and she had considered it more than once. But he had her beaten down so bad mentally, she was just afraid to do it. She wasn't the same girl she had been when she started her freshman year. She was beginning to acknowledge the damage he had done to her self-esteem. And the night of the party by the lake would be the final straw. Sadie had bought a cute little yellow sundress that she thought would be perfect for the party, not to mention it made her feel pretty, something she didn't feel too often these days. She was just finishing up her makeup when she heard Derek's car pull into the driveway. He didn't honk because he knew her dad would get pissed, so he was waiting for her in the living room. When she walked through the door, he looked her up and down, she could tell immediately by the look on his face that he wasn't pleased. He waited until they were inside the car, out of earshot of her parents, to express his disgust. You look like a slut. I hope you brought a sweater to cover that up. He barked. Sadie instantly felt very small, and the sting of his words made her eyes burn with tears that she refused to let fall. If it looked that bad, don't you think my dad would have complained? She argued back. No, they let you get by with anything. They're too soft on you. Luckily, you have me. Luck was not the word Sadie would have used. She didn't speak to him again until they reached the party. He pulled the car off onto the side of the road. They could see the lights of the party through the trees. Sadie, more angry now than hurt, now jumped out of the car. I'm going to find Jordan, she told him as she hurried away. Her friend Jordan was one of the few people she had confided in about the way Derek treated her. And she had been encouraging her for a long time to get rid of him before he hurt her more. She walked through the groups of other kids standing around several different small fires, but she didn't see Jordan anywhere. She was frustrated and near tears when the strap on her sandal snapped. That was it. That was all she could take. She yanked both sandals off and walked barefooted back to the car, where she found Derek, leaning against the trunk, cleaning his fingernails with a pocket knife. She looked at him, and just then he seemed very ugly, and she wondered what she had ever seen in him. He didn't even act like normal guys or act like he wanted anything to do with other people. He was antisocial, rude, and mean. Take me home now, 
she ordered as she opened the car door. Did you finally come to your senses about these stupid parties? He asked smugly. He took his time, closed his pocket knife, stuck it in his pocket, and walked around to the car door. He didn't climb in at first. He had to enjoy the moment a little longer. What happened anyway? Somebody call you a slut? I told you. He was saying when she turned and yelled at him. Get in the freaking car and shut up! He looked at her for a moment, as if he wasn't sure what to do. He had never seen her this angry. Finally, he got in the car and started it. He decided right then he would teach her that she couldn't get away with talking to him like that as soon as they got far enough from the party. They took off down the bumpy paved road that led back to the main camping area. But when he exited the campgrounds, he went a different way. He went the opposite direction of home. Where are you going? I told you to take me home, Sadie said as she noticed the direction the car was headed and immediately became worried. Let's just take a long drive and give you some time to cool off. Sadie had a bad feeling, a feeling that had been growing for a long time. She didn't know what he had planned, but it was bad. She could just feel it. He turned the car down a gravel road. Sadie was scared that if she didn't get out of the car soon, she wouldn't be able to find her way back. She reached for the handle and began to swing the door open, but when she did, he grabbed her by the arm. I knew you were some kind of stupid, he growled as his fingers dug in her skin. He had an iron grip, but Sadie was fighting with all she had, when suddenly there was a loud thump and the car jerked. What the hell? Derek exclaimed as he slammed on the brakes. I think we hit something. Sadie took the opportunity to go for it. She opened the door and jumped out, but only made it a few feet before she tripped over something and landed in the ditch. Derek made it around the car before she could get to her feet and stopped dead in his tracks when he saw what she had tripped over. Sadie, get back in the car right now, he said. Sadie, not willing to give in, even if his voice had changed. Don't tell me what to do. As she stood up, she finally noticed that Derek was staring at the ground behind her and slowly backing away. She turned to follow his gaze and stifled a scream when she saw the large hairy creature. It was beginning to move. This must have been what they'd hit. Sadie, I wouldn't want to be out here when that thing wakes back up. Please, just get in the car. He was actually pleading with her now. Sadie immediately lost all of her fight. It was quickly being replaced by terror. The creature looked much like an abnormally large dog, but its legs looked strange. The hind legs were large, muscular, and a lot longer than a canine's. Its front legs, well, they looked more like arms. She was afraid to step back over it, so she quickly but quietly made her way to the driver's side of the car, where Derek was holding the door open for her. She didn't hesitate for a second to climb in. 
After she climbed back over to her side, the first thing she did was lock the door. Derek took his seat behind the wheel and turned the key in the ignition. The motor made a weak attempt at starting as it tried to turn over and then quickly sputtered out. He was on his third attempt when he caught movement behind the car from the rearview mirror. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more lighthearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Just when you thought it was safe to go into the woods... Another forest-dwelling legend of a monster makes its way into freaky folklore. Legend has it that there is a half-dog, half-man monster roaming around parts of northern Michigan and other parts of the country. Described as a seven-foot-tall monster with a man's torso and a dog's head, it's also believed to have blue or amber eyes and a howl that mimics a person screaming. Wexford County was the location of the dogman's first reported sighting in 1887. He was spotted by a couple of lumberjacks as they were at work. Since then, several sightings of this species have been reported across Michigan, with the majority coming from the state's northern region. A pack of wild dogs attacked a man who was fishing along the Muskegon River in 1938. By blasting a shotgun into the air, he was able to scare the majority of them away. One, however, rose on its hind legs and looked down at the man, not appearing shaken by the gun. And in 1938, a man named Robert Fortney of Paris, Michigan, claimed that he was attacked by five dogs while he was fishing. He said one which was standing on two legs glaring at him. In Allegan County, Similar sightings were reported more often throughout the 1950s. Then in the 1960s, tales of sightings of the beast arrived from Manistee County, Big Rapids, and Cross Village. 
with the occurrences taking place mainly in forested or secluded areas. One particular sighting that happened in 1961 by a night watchman who was patrolling a manufacturing plant in Big Rapids, he said he suddenly saw a suspicious figure, saying that at first he thought it was just a person until he got a better look and saw the dog-like features. Before the man could pull out his gun to shoot, he remembered he had a camera on him. He immediately pulled out the camera and snapped a picture as fast as he could. The photo, however, has still yet to be analyzed, and it still remains an unsolved mystery. Another man who says he had seen the beast said he had seen it first in 1988, when he was on a playground, when he said he saw the beast dashing into a line of trees. He then said that 20 years later in 2008, he had woken up to strange sounds coming from on top of his roof. As soon as he heard the noises, he ran outside and saw the dogman peering down at him from the edge of his roof. Yet another man claims that one night he was walking through the woods alone. He had just gotten off work and was having a bad day, so he wanted to clear his head. He started to get a weird feeling, so he turned on his flashlight so he could see his surroundings better. He looked down at the ground and saw a few paw prints. They looked like a dog's, but bigger, way bigger. He looked around to see if he could see a dog or a wolf, but didn't see anything. So he kept walking for a little bit, when about 10 minutes later, he came across a tree that had massive claw marks on it. As soon as he spotted the claw marks, he heard something rustling in some bushes off to his right. He said he didn't even bother to look over in that direction. Instead, he took off running back to his car. That was now probably about 20 minutes away from where he currently was. He said he could hear something following him, but was too scared to look behind him. He ran as fast as he could. As soon as he made it back to his car, he quickly got inside and locked it. He started up the car and took off as fast as he could, but the light from the taillights caught something in the rearview mirror, and what he said he saw had a head that resembled a dog's, but had the body of a man. He said he always wondered what would have happened if he hadn't started running back to his car, and after that night, he hasn't been back in the woods since. In 2009, a retired policewoman, Laura Love of Shelby, Michigan, said that her and her friend saw a large, tall, and dark figure that was oddly shaped, running out of the left side of an overpass. They described the creature as being dog-like, with a face resembling a border collie. Love said that her and her friend were so disturbed they didn't even talk about the incident until they had gotten back home. These are just a few of many sightings that have been documented about the dog man most of which have come in from all over the state of Michigan and even in parts of Wisconsin and Minnesota. But the creature's most active areas seem to be within Michigan in the northwestern quadrant in the Lower Peninsula. It's said that the dogman primarily appears within a 10-year cycle, with the year ending most of the time with the number 7. However, many sightings have also happened in off years, showing that the dogman doesn't necessarily follow any particular cycle. 
The author, Linda S. Godfrey, has compared the sighting seen in Manistee to that of the creature that's been seen all throughout Wisconsin in her book titled, The Beast of Bray Road. She also explains and theorizes about why people haven't discovered fossils or remains of the creatures, saying that the bones could be appearing as if they're that of a large canines. Another theory about it is that the beast could be traveling between realms. And whether that's true or not, it's still a mystery to many Michigan residents. On top of never-ending sightings, a song, and a book, filmmaker Richard Bauer decided not to make one, but three movies on the Dogman. With the first film being titled Dogman, which came out in 2012, it follows a couple named Dorothy and Hank Purvis. It tells about them being farmers who end up coming face to face with the cryptid, after encountering many bizarre incidents on their farm. The second movie, Dogman 2 The Wrath of Litter, features the same couple a year after their first experience with the beast. This time, the creature returns, and it has a litter of pups with it. The third movie hasn't yet been released, but it's in post-production, and to keep an authentic setting, each film was filmed in Benzie County, Michigan. Have you ever wanted to write a song about something that's scary in your life? Well, that's exactly what Steve Cook did in 1987, when he released the song titled, The Legend, credited to Bob Farley where he is singing about the Michigan Dogman. Originally released as an April Fool's joke, the song ended up gaining popularity fast, encouraging people to come forward, saying they had seen creatures exactly like the one Cook was singing about. Within the first few weeks, it was the most requested song across multiple radio stations. And after a few years of releasing the song, more than over 100 reports had come in about the beast called the Michigan Dogman. Seeing the gaining popularity of the creature, Cook then later released the song in 1997 with new verses after hearing one specific report about an unknown canine breaking into someone's cabin in Luther, Michigan. Cook re-released it for the last time back in 2007 with the mandolin backing instead of its original keyboard backing. Since Cook's release of the song, there have been more and more reports of people all across Michigan who have said they have seen the werewolf-like creature. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Derek watched in disbelief and shock as the dog-like creature rose onto all fours 
and was large enough to see its chest through the rearview mirror. He was staring at that wide chest when the creature hung its head low, low enough that it looked straight at him through the mirror with glowing amber eyes and bared its fangs. Sadie was about to speak when he shushed her. That's when she noticed the terrified look on his face. It was such obvious terror that it was almost instantly contagious. Sadie moved her head slowly and looked into the side mirror, where she had a full view of this monster. As if it could sense her eyes on it, its eyes moved to her reflection. Her heart began to beat so rapidly, it was almost painful. The stare was so cold and malevolent, but she could feel an intelligence by looking into those eyes. She knew that it wasn't just some animal, and it wouldn't run off. It was angry. She watched as it took steps towards the car, still on all fours, and then placed its front paws, which looked eerily like clawed hands, onto the trunk of the car. It then raised up to its full height and stood on its back two feet. Derek quickly began trying to start the car again, as the creature was dragging its long, sharp claws across the trunk. It took slow, deliberate steps as it made its way to the passenger side window, with the screeching of metal growing louder as it approached. Sadie was frozen in terror until the creature made its way to the window, and with its clawed hands still on top of the car, it ducked down to stare into her eyes, face to face. And then it began to shake the car violently. The terror finally began to escape Sadie in the form of screams. Screams so loud that the creature stopped for a moment to shake its head and then raised its face towards the sky and let out a horrific scream. It was almost as if it were mocking her. Sadie, where's your cell phone? Call for help, Derek begged. She then quickly began to dig through the two side pockets of her dress, but her hands came out empty. I I must have dropped it on the ground, she said, when I fell. Where is yours? She asked him as she covered her ears, trying to block out the sounds of snarling. I left mine at home, Derek began to yell. You idiot! Can't you ever do anything right? The car was shaking, Derek was yelling, and Sadie was crying. Sadie tried to burrow down into the small floorboard space to put as much distance between her and this beast as possible. She waited for the window to shatter any moment, but to her relief it didn't. Derek had been watching in horror until that moment. Fear overcame him and he panicked and jumped from the driver's side and took off running through the woods, leaving Sadie abandoned and alone. The dog man seized this moment by leaping on top of the car, causing a loud thud and then jumping off. It headed into the woods in pursuit of Derek, its prey. Sadie, still huddled up into a ball on the floorboard, began to sob. Her eyes were closed, and at first she was too scared to open them. But as she heard the growls growing more distant, 
she finally did. She had to make a decision. Should she try to run or close the door and remain safely inside the locked car? But was she really safe inside the car? She decided that she was safer. Maybe the thing would forget about her and not return. She wasn't sure, but she knew if it did come back, she was no match for it out there in the woods, with no place to hide and no way to defend herself. She crawled slowly across the front seat and carefully reached out and grabbed the door handle. She didn't want to slam the door and possibly bring the creature running back, so she closed it very slowly and pulled until it clicked. She then shook it to make sure it was latched before locking it. She then returned back to the tight space of the floorboard, wrapped her arms around her knees, and waited. She never would have imagined that she could have dozed off, but the trauma of what she had been through was overwhelmingly exhausting. She had no idea how long she had slept. It could have been seconds, or it could have been hours. She was startled awake by a loud thud. She tried to burrow herself deeper into the floorboard as she quietly listened. She was staring up at the driver's side window when something fell from the roof of the car and dangled there. For a moment, she hoped she was seeing things. It looked like a man's arm. She didn't dare crawl out of her hiding place to get a better look. She just stared at it until it started to move. The fingers began to open and closed. But just as they did, another loud thud sounded on the roof of the car and was quickly followed by screams of agony and terror. The screams weren't the only sound either. They were accompanied by the sounds of snarling and the ripping of flesh. Blood began to trickle down the glass of the window. Shortly after that, the night went silent again, but only for a moment. Sadie jumped when she heard the sound of the creature climbing off the car. She covered her mouth and nose with her hand, afraid that it would hear her breathing. She heard it circle the car, sniffing at every inch as it passed. When it reached her side of the car, it stopped and a low rumbling growl began, just on the other side of the door, closest to where her head lay. She began to cry, no longer needing to hide. It knew where she was. The sound of her crying caused the beast to begin clawing at the door. It sounded like it was trying to dig its way through. She knew that it was just a matter of time before it tore its way into the car and she would soon share in Derek's fate. When she first saw the hint of sunlight begin to illuminate the seats through the windshield, she knew she must have slept longer than she realized. It really didn't matter, day or night. There was no way out. She had lost hope until the creature's clawing stopped as the sun rose into the sky bit by bit. She waited this time remembering the phone that must be nearby on the ground. If the creature left, could she find the phone quickly enough? But what if it returned? Maybe she should just make a run for it. Remembering 
that making a run was what had gotten Derek killed. She opted for trying to retrieve her cell phone. She watched the way the sun moved on the seats, and when she thought enough time had passed, she crawled back up into the seat and tried to open the passenger side door, but it was no use. The beast had done so much damage to the door that it was jammed. She would have to crawl to the driver's side. The only problem was she'd have to go all the way around the car to search for the phone. She didn't seem to have any other choice, try to escape or wait here to die. She again crawled to the driver's side, unlocked the door and eased it open. She stopped to listen for any signs that the dogman may still be nearby, but she heard nothing. She stepped out of the car slowly, trying not to make a sound, then paused and listened. Still nothing. Feeling more terrified with each step around the car, she began to move faster until she was in the exact spot where she had fallen over the creature. She got lucky. Her phone was right there where she had hoped it would be. She quickly picked it up and dialed 911. She heard ringing on the other end as the call began to go through. One ring, then two. Then she heard a twig snap. Her heart seemed to stop in her chest. She waited for the next ring as she felt moist, hot breath on the back of her neck. She heard the 911 operator answer. 911, what is your emergency? The phone fell to the ground as Sadie was grabbed by the neck and held dangling in the air. She couldn't scream. She couldn't even breathe. The operator repeated herself. 911, what is your emergency? Sadie could hear, but she couldn't cry out for help. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts, such as Destination Terror and Tales from the Break Room. If you'd like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to CarmenCarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram for information on future episodes. Tune in next week as we discuss the Knuckle of E, a horse-like demon from Orcadian folklore. Until next time, stay safe out there, because this world is a strange one. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. 
So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.